It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. A month ago, the Denver Broncos looked dead in the water. Now they're hanging with AFC contenders. Also, the Knicks are confusing again. And the Ravens are a frustrating AFC leader. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're Locked On Sports Today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat over 50 infections. Get yours at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. A month ago, the Denver Broncos were absolutely cooked. They were one in five, and they had a historically bad defense. After a thrilling, and I mean genuinely thrilling win on Monday night over the Buffalo Bills, a last-second field goal lifts Denver to their third straight win, including two over bona fide AFC contenders. The Denver Broncos are, dare I say, back in the AFC playoff race, even if it's just barely. Sarah Benninger from Locked On Broncos joins me now. And, and Sarah, I want to start with that defense because – It has been a defensive turnaround that has keyed all of this. How have they been able to go from like tragically terrible to, hey, we can actually win games because of our defense? Yeah, that's a great question. I I think it starts with personnel adjustments, right? You get Jaquan McMillan into the nickel spot where, hey, we saw him make that big play at the beginning, the first play from scrimmage against Buffalo. And you get Justin Simmons back healthy. He was out there for a bit early in the season, which kind of goes underrated as well. And PJ Locke back into the lineup. So guys getting healthy, a few changes there with personnel, but Man, the pass rush has been better. The coverage has been better. Communication has been better. And I feel like Vance Joseph has really figured out ways to kind of settle into there's it's like a hybrid defense he's running between his own stuff and, and what we saw from Vic Fangio and Azero Evero. So kind of all these things settling in. And then, of course, I think urgency is another factor. Like you got you better be better or else, you know, type of thing. So <laughs> all those different factors have played played in for the Broncos to turn it around, which began very strangely, I guess, on a Thursday night game, a short week they had against Kansas City a few weeks back. That's when the resurgence kind of began. Yeah, it, it started before they started winning, right? The defense started playing better and they were still losing some of these games. And part of that was because the offense couldn't pick them up. Uh, Russell Wilson had 95 passing yards against Kansas City in the loss. He was 24 of 29 on Monday night with two touchdowns, only 193 yards, but did enough. And then the walk-off field goal set up by Wilson. So this, this from last year looks like a different player. It looks much more like the Russell Wilson we were used to seeing in Seattle, what to your eyes is different about him? 
I think he just plays with more confidence this year. Last year, you felt like he was trying to do too much, that the Broncos really trying to force feed the, the pocket passing and really trying to make Russell Wilson into something that he wasn't. And I think Russ was maybe part of that. Maybe coming to Denver, he wanted to prove like, hey, I can stand in the pocket. I can throw yeah. over the middle of the field. I can do all these things. And it just, it as we've seen with the way things have played out in New York, the, the combination of things between he and Hackett and the injuries and all those different things that specifically Russ was dealing with, he's healthy now. He looks like he's playing with confidence now. He's making far fewer mistakes this season than we saw last season where he's throwing up the ball in harm's way, especially in critical situations. Now, like we saw against this Buffalo team, they they go down the field and they go up by one point. How are you going to respond? And Russell's out there making plays. So we're seeing him make plays, play with confidence, fewer mistakes. He's He's got that spring to his step. And I think, you know, it, it's still not quite there, right? The Broncos passing game is not not great by any means, but he's making better decisions with the football and playing off of that run game. He's not the reason that they're that they're going to lose at this point. Russell's not going to let himself be that guy. So he's going out there and I think he's making some clutch plays. Yeah, he he had nine runs in this game. Now, kneel downs at the end. OK, those technically count as runs, but still. A handful of plays for him. He he has tried to cut those down. And you get a little bit of magic at the end. You get the pass interference call at the right time. That seemed to be in Seattle. Like, it seemed like half the games they won, they got a lucky penalty or a lucky break. Some, sometimes you just need a little bit of luck, right? That's the game is you just have to have a one little break go your way. And all of a sudden you have a three-game win streak. Exactly. And that has not been the story for the Broncos since they won Super Bowl 50. I mean, it's been the ball bouncing the other way almost every single game. Like, why why can't the Broncos complete passes on, on third down? Why can't they go out like we saw tonight and just execute an extra point? You know, they they although people say in Buffalo did everything to give this game away, kind of the Broncos started to do that in the second half a little bit as well. Right. And that's kind of been who that's their identity over the last six, seven, eight years now is they're finding creative ways to seemingly give games away to teams shooting themselves in the foot. But man, to see the Broncos overcome the mistakes that they made, even as Buffalo is gifting them giveaway after giveaway to see them overcome those mistakes, you can't help but point it back to the head coach, right? I mean, he's out, he's the one that's creating this culture where before all these different head coaches, Vance Joseph, Vic Fangio, Nathaniel Hackett, the Broncos would kind of start spiraling when those bad things would happen. Now we're seeing that they're able to bounce back. And when you have a coach who's been in those situations before like that, I think it helps. Stay up to date all year on the Denver Broncos by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Broncos on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the Knicks are confusing, man, but the sky is blue, so... What do you expect? Before we get to that, the AL and NL Rookies of the Year were unanimous. We spend a lot of time talking, you and I. We get fired up about wins and losses, who starts and who sits. I'm thankful for that connection, but I want to have a little bit more personal chat today. Whether you're on extended travel, bracing for major weather, or limited by yet another supply shortage, you are covered thanks to our partners at Jace Medical with life-saving antibiotics and the long list of daily medications that can be ordered in a one year supply, even when it's not quite so serious and life-threatening like ED generics for Cialis and Viagra. They have those too. Go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply 
on your daily medications. Remember to use the promo code locked on at checkout for a discount. You deserve to be in charge of your own health. Empower yourself or someone you love with a Jace case or a year supply of daily medications at jacemedical.com and see if they're offered for you. Remember to use the code locked on for $20 off your purchase. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Baltimore Orioles infield Gunnar Henderson ran away with the AL Rookie of the Year. Not to be outdone, Arizona Diamondbacks outfielder Corbin Carroll also won the NL Rookie of the Year going away. Corbin Carroll, this man, it's official Rookie of the Year. Corbin Carroll is how we're going to refer to him now because he ran away with the award, which surprises no one. Got every single first place vote unanimous. And honestly, if anyone had given him a second place vote, you would have to knock down the door. That guy busted down and been like, what is wrong with you? Get that man drug tested because this was an award that was going to Corbin Carroll's every step of the way. And I think there was even a couple of sports betting books that was paying this uh, futures bet out like a couple months before the season even started because Corbin Carroll had this thing like locked up by the all-star break. And now we have to ask ourselves a question. After Corbin Carroll won that Rookie of the Year award, after going to the World Series in his first rookie season, is Corbin Carroll, did he just finish the greatest rookie campaign since 2000 among National League players? The New York Jets have gone 11 straight quarters without a touchdown. But they're not blaming the quarterback. Because of course they're not. In his latest defense of Zach Wilson, see Robert Sala really is a defensive genius. Sala said of Wilson that he's actually playing pretty good. That's a direct quote. And that it would be unfair to blame the team's profound struggles on one player or coach. Along those lines, Salah said he's planning to continue with offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett as the play caller. In the past two games, the Jets have almost as many penalties as points. Bucks forward Jay Crowder suffered a left adductor and abdominal tear that will sideline him for approximately two months. The team announced on Monday, Crowder left Saturday's game against the Magic with what the team initially called a groin strain. Crowder is scheduled to undergo surgery on Tuesday. Crowder had been one of Milwaukee's most pleasant surprises, averaging eight points and three rebounds while logging the third most minutes behind Giannis Antetokounmpo and Damian Lillard. The Bucs got a win over the Bulls on Monday night without him. The Milwaukee Brewers have their replacement for Craig Council. It's a familiar face in the Brew City. Hi, everybody. Chuck Freeman from Lockdown Brewers with some instant reaction here. Not surprised, Pat Murphy will be named the new manager of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is being reported right now by a number of different insiders. Uh, Murphy, logical. I said this on Friday's Lockdown Brewers. Mark Antanasio was 
going to keep that coaching staff in place for 2024. So whoever the new manager was, was going to inherit that coaching staff. It was predictable. And it narrowed the choices down. So they kept it in-house. They kept it with a self-choice. They kept it with a guy they knew. They weren't thinking out of the box. And they chose Pat Murphy, who just has to find himself a bench coach. Now, will it be Ricky Weeks? I mentioned this on today's podcast. Would Ricky Weeks be the bench coach and kind of the manager in waiting down the road? We'll find out. We'll talk about this and more coming up on the next edition of Lockdown Brewers. Here is another story you need to know. The New York Knicks still look a lot like the New York Knicks. They'll do a lot of New York Knicksy things, but it hasn't translated to winning regularly so far this season. They followed the Boston Celtics 114-98, despite shooting over 40, almost 43% from three in this one. Alex Wolf from Locked On Knicks joins me now. And Alex, this is this is a Knicks team that just, just hasn't quite been able to get the defensive intensity or when they do, the offense falters for them. So what do you make of this five and five start for them? I'm not like raising alarms or anything over the five and five. I mean, they've been without RJ Barrett for three of these games. Yep. And that was very, very apparent in this game against the Celtics. They sorely missed his ability to get inside to draw fouls, to finish in there, and to create offense for the rest of the team that way. Plus, he's shooting literally 50% from three this year, which is crazy. Uh, and they replaced it with Josh Hart, who actually shot 50% from three in this game, but did so much less convincingly than RJ usually does <laughs> because he doesn't create as much gravity. You know, like he was hitting basically practice jumpers where he was left completely wide open because most teams don't really respect Josh Hart the way they respect RJ Barrett out there. Uh, so, but on the overall, I think, you know, they've had they've had some tumult so far to start this season. You had a, a few game stretch where Julius Randle just looked as bad as I have ever seen him play. And it was really worrisome because you get with this team, with this player, with this fan base, you get some PTSD when it comes to that guy, because two years ago he was awful, like awful, awful and just super checked out and didn't seem happy and let it translate to his play on the court. And so that happened for a few games and yet his head has totally been screwed back on straight. He like had the grudge treatment, I guess his heart grew two sizes one day. Uh, something happened. I don't know what it was. His shoes were a little too tight. The sketchers weren't, you know, doing, doing their job. I don't know what the deal was, but uh, at any rate, he's, he's playing a lot better. Brunson's also had sort of a slow start to the season and is now kind of finding his stride. I think it's very telling that when, all three of the big three are playing together and they all score 20 points, which is becoming more routine that the Knicks have a phenomenal record in those situations. I think it's something like 13 and four or something when all three of those guys score 20 points over the course of their time together, the last two seasons. And I think that's going to be even more of an occurrence now with RJ having sort of the breakout that he's having this year. So I'm not terribly worried. I, I think my biggest worry at this point, and this is a, trade deadline sort of issue is I, I do hope that the Knicks adds sort of an auxiliary big that they can have out there more of a, a switchy four man type. If they can get their hands on one uh, because they they're great with the down low presence. But I, I do think that one of the biggest things that stood out to me is that certain times and the Celtics game was kind of one of them because the Celtics have a, a rangy long team that can bother a lot of different players. Yeah. Uh, I think that they, they struggled a bit with the fact that they had to go a little smaller in this game at times. And, and that just doesn't work every single night. 
Uh, so I hope that that's something that they that they look to address. Get like a if I was just to pull a random name out of a hat that just occurred to me, like a Jared Vanderbilt type, you know, someone in that mold that can sort of play that like three, four combo, you know, get some rebounds for you or whatever, provide good defense against bigger players, stuff like that. But all in all, again, my long winded way of saying I'm not really worried. (laughs) So I mentioned the identity part of this coming into Monday night. They were second in points per game allowed on defense, second in rebounding. Like that's what we expect them to do is to defend and to rebound the basketball. They kill teams on the offensive glass in particular. So how have they advanced? How have they grown? Or or maybe more importantly, how can they grow this season? Because they're still doing the things that, that we expect them to do. They're just not really much better at some of the things that they were struggling with last year. I think that the turnaround, the last few games that we've seen, uh, and you you referenced it that even though they lost this game, they still shot like forty three percent from three. Yep. If this team takes its shooting leap, which they have plenty of young players that you know have the potential to do that, and it looks like RJ's doing it. Quentin Grimes is still as dependable as ever shooting the three. Uh, Julius is kind of coming back around and getting back to his self, where hopefully he could shoot about thirty five percent again. Um, you know, you have Emmanuel quickly who's been a little more touch and go than I'd like so far to start the season and has always kind of had a little bit of a streakiness to him. But if he can find consistency shooting 36, 37%, like, and then Brunson is like a 40% three point shooter period. And that just seems like it's not going to change. That's kind of where they've gotten better, but also, I mean, it was against less than great competition, but against the Spurs and the Hornets, they finally say, and and it happened a bit in this game against the Celtics, but again, it's hard to judge them because they didn't have RJ out there. Who's been such a key part of this, but they've been playing just really beautiful offensive basketball the last week or so. Stay up to date on the New York Knicks by subscribing to locked on sports today and locked on Knicks on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube coming up. The Ravens are one of the most confusing Super Bowl contenders. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now, new customers get $150 back in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Looking at updated Super Bowl odds, the Chiefs favored to repeat Kansas City plus 480 to win it all. Right behind them, the 49ers at 5 to 1, the Eagles at plus 550, and then the Ravens and Dolphins both at 10 to 1. I have the Dolphins at 25 to 1. You can also combine bets for a bigger payout. Same game parlay is a great way to enjoy watching sports. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on and do the NFL season right. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. The Baltimore Ravens have been one of the best teams in the NFL this year. If you can imagine it, they should have even fewer losses than they currently have. Based on a couple stats that Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson deliver on the latest episode of Peacock and Williamson. 
the Ravens have been one of the best teams in the NFL this year. And I, I want to start with, and we'll talk a little bit more about the game and the, uh, the walk-off field goal for the Browns defeating the Ravens. This is fascinating. So coming into week 10, the Ravens spent less time trailing than any team in the league this year. They had trailed for less than a total of one half of football through nine games. And that continued into week 10. So the Ravens, 28 minutes and 46 seconds is how long they've spent this season trailing in football games. And they led this game wire to wire and never trailed until the clock hit zero and the field goal went through the uprights. So still the Ravens have 28 minutes and 46 seconds after 10 weeks, uh, but somehow they lost this football game, Matt. Crazy. Uh, the nugget I have is is from um, NFL Next Generation Stats, which is just as crazy. The Ravens are the third team in NFL history to lose a game despite holding four separate leads of 14-plus points in the same game. First time it's happened in almost 20 years. This is why we love sports. This is why they're so hard to figure out. Yeah, the Baltimore Ravens are better probably than every team that they've lost to so far this season. But if it just so happened that you only lost to the teams that you were definitely worse than, sports would not be very exciting. Now, there is another part of this, though, that the Ravens have, in the Lamar Jackson era, lost games where you go, they absolutely had no business losing that game, both before the game and in the middle of the game, where if you just stop the game at halftime, you go, there's no way they can possibly lose this game. And then they go lose the game. Or they have a season where they have the MVP and a 14-win team and then can't even make it to the AFC Championship game. These are the things that make you go, how much can I really believe in a team like Baltimore this season when they're going to continue to have things like this happen not just losing the teams that you should beat that's going to happen it's blowing games and then losing to teams that you should beat that's the stuff that's troubling and there is a trend here with this Baltimore team and finally maybe the American dream is getting fired from being a college football coach power five schools now owe fired coaches 146 million dollars since the start of the 2022 season after Texas A&M fired Jimbo Fisher, the Aggies agreed to eat $76 million. You heard me, $76 million in order to move on from their head coach, for him to not be the coach anymore. In fact, four coaches not named Jimbo Fisher are owed at least $11 million from the schools that fired them. Texas A&M is a public university. $76 million in public funds could probably go a long way to helping a lot of people. Instead, it's going to Jimbo Fisher so that he doesn't coach football. Seems like a bad investment to me. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up on the next Locked On Sports today, what do we make of the NBA in-season tournament so far? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. 
Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.